0: Let's talk about the real Super Bowl today, amen? The Super Bowl that is our lives, the game that we play in every single day, every moment as we let our lights shine. It's a tough task. It's a difficult thing to do in our world because our world really is running contrary to most everything that Uh, We would hold dear as believers, but we do have an opportunity to play well. And and I pray that as we embark on a little journey here, just verses 14 through 18 in Philippians chapter 2, that you'll be able to see a great passage that ties in so many people thinking today about whether it's going to be the Carolina Panthers or the Denver Broncos. But we already know who's one. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, again, as we uh, have come this day to gather together as, as your team. Lord, your team. All on the same team, God. We pray that you would bless us with your presence in this place. And lay out your game plan for us today, we pray. Speak to us. What you want us to do in our various positions, help us to practice and play hard. We ask that you would bless us now as we study your word. We ask these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Verse 14 here in Philippians 2. How do we do it? Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault, In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. You you see, we have a chance to get on that highlight reel that we talked about last Sunday. We have the opportunity to be bold in our witness in this world. Holding fast, it says in verse 16, to the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run or labored in vain. You see, practice indeed does pay off. As we run the race of life, as we're out on the practice field, as we then move to the game, one day you're going to receive that prize. You'll stand before God in heaven and receive that reward for those things which you've done in in this life, in this body, as Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. And yes, if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service of your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with you all. Family of God, being a, being a believer, being a Christian, being someone who professes the name of Christ is an all-or-nothing proposition. You're either all in or you're not. And God wants us to be all in. You'll never be great at any sport. Not football, not basketball, not baseball, you'll be great at no sport without being all in. Amen. Soccer, doesn't matter golf, bowling, curling. Name the sport, you won't be good at it unless you're all in. And you definitely won't be great at it unless it consumes you. Are are you consumed with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you wake up thinking Jesus? You see, I guarantee you when Cam Newton got up this morning, he was thinking football. Guarantee it. Guarantee. He probably never slept. Peyton Manning, the same thing. Those two teams. Wondering, what does the day hold? how will my life invested in the sport of football be played out today on this field, this grand stage? This sporting event that will be watched by probably 50 million or more people. That's almost 20% of the population in the United States. They've invested a lot in what will happen in a little four-hour window called Super Bowl Sunday. Can the same be said to be true for your life? Have you invested in the kingdom? How will you play on game day? For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. How do we shine? How do we shine, family? Because we want to shine you know, when, you, when you're getting picked, and, and whether it's a football game or a basketball game, you probably many of you have engaged in some form of sporting event. You know, when you, when you do those backyard games, when you do the in-the-street games, when you do the in-the-show-up-at-the-ball field, and everybody brings their glove and their, their ball and their bat, or you bring the football, when you start picking teams, you want the best players on your team. Nobody goes, hey, I'm a loser, pick me. We, we want to be the very best that we can possibly be on the Lord's team. And that's the picture that's before us in this passage. The Philippians, as we saw last time, were to work out their own salvation for the unity of the church. They were to get in the game. They were to play their position well. They were to be team players. And now Paul kind of gives us a little advice on how to do that. The first thing he says is, look, stop bickering and get busy. Stop bickering and get busy. Think about your position, where you're playing. You see, we can all be the Monday morning quarterback, amen? It's not too tough to pick apart somebody's game plan on Monday after the game's been played. What are you doing to make the outcome of the game better today? It's amazing to me how many people complain about the team, complain complain about the other players, complain, complain about the coach. Can I tell you this? The game plan is still good. Amen. That's a winning game plan right there. We know the end. We know the outcome. We we know where we're going. You're gonna one day put on the biggest fattest ring you've ever seen. It's gonna be on your head. It's called the crown. Won't even you, you can put it up your arm, but it'll go on your head for a moment until you put it at the feet of Jesus, the coach. You see, no pastor, no church is perfect. This is no exception. I'm no exception. There isn't. There is no such thing. Bad players get in the game. Coaches make bad calls. People throw dumb passes. All those things happen in ministry. We're playing for the owner. We're praying for the Lord. That's whose game we're in. Don't forget that. We all serve the Lord. I serve, I'm an assistant coach. I'm not the coach, he's the coach. You you see, we need to remember that we're we're not going to get anywhere by complaining, by having a bad attitude. It's interesting that that word complaining translates from the original language to having a bad attitude. Getting out there on the field and just grumbling about everything. I don't know how you are with your sporting events, but that's one thing I cannot stand. It just drives me nuts when people whine and complain. I just want to go get a life. Get in the game. We're not to complain. We're not to dispute. And that word dispute there actually has a legal connotation. It's just you're arguing for the point of trying to prove your point so that you can be heard. Look, everybody has an opinion about everything, amen? Put 10 people in a room, you'll get 20 opinions at least. We can all figure out some way or another way. We, we can look at what's going on and say, well, I'd never do it that way. Well, you don't have that responsibility. It's pretty easy to coach when you don't have the outcome riding on you. We, we need to not dispute over things. How much better would the kingdom be if people just got in the game? Play your position. Instead of whining about what's not getting done, go do something that matters. Paul's reminding us that this is a, this is a team sport. And so arguing and complaining really won't help the matter. There's three things you can pick from this. Number one... Look, complaining and arguing are, are contrary. They're the opposite of, of the Lord's attitude, of Christ's attitude, amen? Can you imagine Jesus on the cross? I can't believe this is happening. I do not deserve to be here. Those are truth, by the way, amen? It's actually true. Christ did not belong on the cross from his own position. He could have complained. Good thing he didn't, Amen? He gave his life a ransom for us, for his church, for his body. A second thing, look at it hurts the cause of the gospel. People don't want to listen to a church that can't get along with itself, amen? You ever notice, you ever seen those sideline fights where you got two players and, you know, somebody makes a bad play and then goes back to the bench and they're over there. Don't you think that's a little counterproductive to winning the game? where they're pounding on each other. You see, nobody's going to believe the team's goals when the team can't get along with itself. Our goal is the gospel of Christ, amen? We want to preach the gospel with our lives. Third thing, they divide the church. They divide the team. Complaining and grumbling just sets people at odds and on edge with one another. It never accomplishes anything you ever noticed how it's interesting? You can have a thousand people, there's a couple thousand people at this service, and, and if, you, if you started talking to each one, we'd all have some opinions, but if we all start picking apart everything, we can all find something that's wrong, amen? You know, you, it's too warm, it's too cold. The, you know, I wanted my coffee with this in it. You know, we can find all kinds of things. You know, I wish Pastor Jeff would, you know, take like two minutes longer to explain whatever. It's amazing to me how many people want to know where the complaint department is but they don't want to know where the prayer room is we need to be busy about our father's business i'm happy to talk to people about my own deficiencies but i mean at the end of the day let's let's get in the game together let's make it a team effort we can find things about the programs we can find things about worship styles and all those kind of things but as we argue as we complain as we bicker we're helping the devil and he does just fine without us amen how about we start to clean up the locker room notice what it says here in verse 15 i'm reading from the new international version so that you become blameless and pure children of god without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe we, we need to make sure that that our own house is in order so that people could look and say that's what a championship team looks like and it gets down to the details in sport well, all those little things actually matter you you see we need to be blameless beyond reproach you you can't call out fault in other people's lives or in their ministry unless you yourself are blameless you got to be careful. No one wants to listen to just a, a, a whining complainer. If someone has something to say that's constructive, we we need to clean it up. And you know, you know all those locker room arguments that you read about in the in the newspaper or in, on the internet, you know it's just like, well somebody got into somebody else's face. Well, we need to clean those things up. We're in it together. The best thing that I can do is help you. And the best thing you can do is help me. And the best thing that we can do is help each other. doesn't do us any good to go in there and trash each other's locker and throw somebody else's stuff on the ground and, you know, well, you said this and you, well, yeah. I'm a sinner. I'm saved by grace. Amen? We all got our stuff. My locker's got enough junk in it. I, I don't need any help with it. Okay? You want to help me clean it up, that's one thing. <laughs> we need to make sure that we're aiding one another in our growth in the Lord. Paul uses a, a Greek word, "akarioi," here, which is, is unadulterated. And it carries two basic meanings. One of them is if you would have wine, you would mix water with it, it, it would become adulterated. But the second one, I think the more important one, the easier one to see is in essence adding alloy to something that's precious. In other words, when you take gold, if it's pure gold, it's 24 karat, and you can continue to mix it with other alloys of soft metals, copper, silver, those types of things, and you can make it, you know, 10 karat gold. It's not pure. We want to be pure in our effort. We, we want what we do to add up to this incredibly valuable work that the lord wants to do in our lives we have to be in that sense the real deal we we can't we can't play the blame game we ourselves need to be pure my life needs to stand that test of purity back in the time that these words were written usually if someone offered you a gold coin the first thing that they would do they'd actually bite it because real gold is actually quite soft you can put dents in it with your teeth And so they'd be able to tell, was this real or was this not real? How does your life, how does my life, how does the life of this church stack up to that kind of scrutiny? You see, we need to be pure in that sense. And remember, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, amen? We've been rescued out of it, but we're not taken out of it. We, we have our home in heaven, we're citizens of heaven, but we're still here. And so we need to do well while we're here. Practice hard while we're here. Make sure that the, the coach uh, knows that we're in the game. We don't, we're not blaming him for the game plan. I hear a lot of people blaming the Lord for the game. It's like, well, you know, if he just did this or did that. God can do all kinds of things. He's he's managing the entire team right now, amen? That's why all things work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. He's managing the whole team, not just your life. We're in that together. We need to make sure we're not picking at each other while we're in the locker room. Brothers and sisters, we need to play like the superstars. We actually are. Amen. We are the light of the world. Amen. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He passed along as he left. He said, okay, look there in Matthew chapter five, you are the light of the world. And so let your light shine before men that they will see your good works, your awesome plays, and they will glorify our father who is in heaven. Amen. That's who we're supposed to be. You have the skill, you have the talent, you've been on the practice field, you're in the game. God should be able to call on you. You run that route and boom, you do the one-handed grab, going out the back of the end zone, two toes down, touchdown. That's who you are in Christ. We should be shining for the Lord. We're in a dark world. It's a rough game. It's hard. It's not always easy. But we are winning. At the end, it's going to be like 800 trillion jillion to nothing. Jesus. Right now it may seem like you know maybe the enemy's about to score for the first time, but he's lost. He's already lost the game. He's a loser. (laughs) Amen? You know how that is when the losing team goes off the field and their heads are hung? Satan and his minions, that's them. They've already been defeated. Jesus Christ did that on Calvary's cross. That's why he said, it's finished, I've won. You've been purchased back from the bondage of sin and the penalty of it, which is death. Play like the superstars that you actually are. It's our role to shine until Jesus comes back for his church. We should get on the highlight reel every once in a while. Somebody should know that you play. For the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in our world, we talk about holdouts, and it means something totally different. It's somebody who's holding out for more money, for a bigger salary. But in this sense, this is not for more cash. It's not for a bigger contract. It's the picture that's used here as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. You see, we're, we're holding out that which is good. It was used in the context of that day when someone would invite somebody over, they would actually hold out a refreshment to them. Here it is. Here's what it means to come to my house. Here's the blessing of being in my house. In that sense, we're holding out for the Lord Jesus. We're showing other people what it's like to be on the Lord's team. We want them to know how good our God is. Here's what it means to be a follower of Christ. Coach whipped me into shape. I remember my first season uh, of basketball after I'd played for a number of years, and I, all of a sudden I, I, I'm realizing there's a lot more to playing uh, when you reach the professional level than there is in the, in the high school level or the college level. All of a sudden you're going, wow, this is, there's a lot to this. That's because they're investing in all kinds of things. Giving you the minute details, you hold that out. The Philippians were to offer the gospel to a dying world. They're holding it out, and while doing so, they're holding fast. They're saying, look, this is the way it looks to be a follower of Christ, and here's the truth of it. And so these meanings work together. We hold fast to the truth and we hold out that truth for other people. Say, look, if you're going to be in, here's what it looks like. Follow me as I follow Christ. At the same time, this is the way we're going. So people understand what it is that's at stake. You know, very often we we get into a situation to where someone could hardly tell what it is that we're all about. Because we're not holding forth the truth. Don't know where we're going because we're not showing. Paul wasn't talking about us sitting in our own little biblical fortress someplace. He was saying, you get out in the world. You go do some recruiting. In that sense, we've been poured into so that we can then be poured out. You've been poured into so you can be poured out. The reason that you go through all of that effort, you remember what it was like when you first came to Christ. There were some things that needed to change, amen? In a general sense, most of us can say yes and amen to that concept. Here's where I was when I met Jesus, here's where I am now. There were some things that have been poured into you so you can get to where you are. God hasn't done that so you can just kind of get, you know, turn into spiritually obese people. I like that term, spiritual obesity. We just take in and take in and take in and take in and we just sit there, yes, I am saved. And I love me because I'm saved. No, you've been poured into so you can pour out so that you can go do something with what God's done in you. God's poured into you so you can go be poured out for him. Even to the point of you giving your life for him if necessary. Now most people kind of like, what? We'll put it in the Super Bowl analogy. You want to leave everything you got on the field, amen? You want to get into the game, you don't want to have one ounce of energy left. After you leave that playing field, you want to know that you put everything you had into that game. Nothing left. You see, the coaching staff poured into you. They gave you skill. They gave you talent. The Word gives you skill. The Word gives you talent. The Holy Spirit comes along and empowers you. He's the strength and conditioning coach of our team. Amen? We get built up, and now we're we're bulking up in Jesus. We're on the field. We want to leave it all out there. They didn't impart that to you so that you could sit on the sidelines and go, Man, I feel great. All that's been imparted to you so that when you get in the game, you can go play to win. Amen? We need to play to win, family. Stop playing to kind of come in someplace in the grand scheme of things. We need to play to win. I I don't want to finish fourth. I don't want to finish sixth. I don't want to kind of exist in our world. We should play to win. So we need to be poured into, then poured out of. It's kind of this picture of Paul... Giving it, you know, he's 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 being poured out. During the Old Testament times, they would take a cup of wine, it'd be poured on the altar. It was kind of like the signifier that the, the, the offering was accepted. We have that in football. Amen. It's called a Gatorade shower. I, I wanna be I wanna be that Gatorade shower. I'm being poured out cause we won. Amen. Want to walk around going, Man, I'm soaking wet because we whooped the devil. Not, well, you know, we kind of played. It was okay. We want to be poured out. Paul was facing death. But that didn't bother him. He was willing to give every time, bit of his time, every bit of his talent, even his treasure, all that he was, he gave to that one outcome to win. And finally... That's why he could be glad. That's why Paul was glad. He, he knew he held nothing back. It's one thing on the field of sport, any endeavor, it doesn't matter what you're really talking about, whether it's education or sport, uh, something that you pour yourself into. When you have given it your all, you've done your best and you're glad in it. Where you have regret is when you could have practiced harder, when you could have spent more time out there doing the the tedious things that are necessary for anyone to get good. Look, anybody that tells you they they like to sit around and read textbooks until 4 o'clock in the morning, these people need significant psychiatric help. That's not exactly fun, but it's necessary, amen? That's part of being good at anything. You've got to put the effort in. And when you put the effort in and then you go in and you sit down at that testing table and you do well on that test, you know you have no regrets. You gave it all. And so you're glad. But when you haven't studied, when you have not gone out and practiced, when you have not taken the time and the effort to to give everything you have then you won't be glad because you're going to get a result that indicates you didn't do what you could have done. We're to be glad. How do we do it? Look, remember, it's the Lord that's began this good work in you. Amen? He's faithful to complete it into the day of Christ Jesus. Let him coach you. Listen to his word, do what it says, and then go practice. And then repeat. It's not that hard. Remember that the love of God is poured out by the Holy Spirit. It's not on you; it's on God. And Zechariah four six is not by power; it's not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. We need His help. We get in the game. Is that coach man? I don't know what I'm doing wrong. You need to help me here. Well, Jeff, you got to run some more wind sprints. You're kind of slow. You're old. Coach will tell you what you need to do. Then you go do it. Then you say, well, look, I'm out of gas. Well, it's because you're breathing through your nose. You need to breathe through your mouth. You get the picture? God will enable you. Remember that joy is a byproduct of being a team player, serving others. If you get into a team sport as an individual, you're going to have a miserable time. Amen? You're in it together. We're in it together. We get out on that field of endeavor called the world and we run to win. We play to win. And we play together. Whatever happens to you happens to me. And what happens to me happens to you. And they can't take you without taking me and vice versa. Amen? That's team play. And remember that that joy, it's more than the ring. It's knowing within yourself that you did all you could do. Having therefore, Paul said in Ephesians, having done all to stand, stand therefore. You dig those spikes in one more time, get down on that three point stance, and nobody pushes you off the line. That's that joy that you have from doing your personal best. Maybe you can't do what I can do, and maybe I can't do what you can do. But whatever we do, we do together. And we're better together than we are apart. Amen? And then finally, cheer each other on. Remember to encourage fellow believers. Look, they're sweating. They're sucking air. They're on the sideline with the oxygen mask. They don't know if they can play another minute. You need to walk up and encourage that brother or that sister. It's going to be okay. We're in the game. I'll go in for you. I'll hold that position. I'll make sure that we're in. I'll take up that role. How awesome is the gift of encouragement. We come along, you see all those guys on the sideline, they're slapping each other in the head, they're bashing their helmet. I don't know why they do that. But metaphorically speaking, go bash somebody's helmet today. Tell them Jesus loves them. It's going to be okay and we're winning. Amen? Amen? You see, joy comes from that submission to the coach's will, the coach's game plan. That's how it works out. It's a byproduct of us listening to what coaches said. He put forth the game plan. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in this world. It's a winning game plan. We're heading to heaven. We are going to receive the victory. We're going to get the ring. And if you want the ring, let's go out and shine for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Look, life's not a series of disappointing ups and downs. It's not. It's a wonderful sequence of ins and outs. Sometimes we're in, sometimes we're out. Sometimes one person's paying that position. Sometimes we're in playing that position. God works first in us that he could then work out of us. We can be that example of Christ. We can receive that energy from the Holy Spirit the result is joy we have that joy in what the lord's done in us if we want it we practice we play hard we purpose to listen and then we can shine as brightly as as we absolutely can uh, as we play in this amazing thing called life for the lord amen amen let's stand and we'll pray Father God, thank you that you would let us on your team in the first place. Lord, that you've chosen us before the foundation of the world. Lord, you've created us in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. Lord, you believe in us. Lord, we believe in you and we want to play well. Lord, we want to say at the end that we did all that we could do. But Lord, we know that the victory rests in Jesus. And so we rest in him today. Uh, Help us to put our effort forth so that the world would know that we want to shine. Lord, we, we love you. We thank you for loving us and pray that you'd bless us today. Fill our hearts and our homes with your goodness, with your blessings. We pray all these things in the amazing name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.